Star Wars 7x7 episode 619. Today we resume our Clone Wars catch-up series by looking at Storm Over Ryloth. This is episode 19 of season 1 and it borrows a very major plot point from the old expanded universe. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Trisha Barr, author of Ultimate Star Wars and host of Fangirls Going Rogue. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7 the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host Alan Voivod, and do you remember Wat Tambor, who is the head of the intergalactic banking clan from the prequels? Well, he's back, and he is behind a blockade on Ryloth, where all the Twi'leks are. And, yeah, the Twi'leks, if you do not recall, it could include, say, Bib Fortuna, who was the famous major dormo of Jabba the Hutt, and also Harris Nula of Star Wars Rebels. So, yeah, lots of fun to be had on Ryloth, for sure. And with the Twi'leks abounding. Oh, goodness. But this time, we have them in a terrible, terrible situation, being enslaved and blockaded and all this stuff. And so Ahsoka and Anakin have to break the blockade and prepare the way for General Kenobi and Mace Windu to begin a ground assault on the Trade Federation. Unfortunately, it's a trap! (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Lots of traps throughout the Star Wars saga, and this one is no exception. When Ahsoka, getting her first command, leads a squadron to attack the droid control ship, a couple of extra frigates from the Trade Federation show up, and even though Anakin and Admiral Yalaren try to call her back, she refuses and ends up getting her squadron pretty much shot down. Only two fighters survive, and then she has to get the business from Anakin, who, of course is, you know, the pot calling the kettle black in these matters. Because he disobeys everyone all the time. What a terrible, terrible example he sets. Oh, goodness. But anyway, Ahsoka takes her lumps and yet still has to get her head back in the game when they decide that they have to actually break through the blockade anyway. Obi-Wan and Mace Windu tell Anakin, look, we got to break the blockade, otherwise we're going to have to delay the invasion. And Anakin says, the people of Ryloth can't wait that long. You know, yeah, okay, that's true. So Anakin gets the idea of piloting one of their damaged warships directly in a collision course to smash into the droid control ship and tells Ahsoka that Ahsoka can lead the attack behind it, but doesn't really actually give her any advice about how to do that, which is a bit troubling, especially considering that she's just suffering from her worst defeat under her first command. But they proceed anyway, and Anakin manages to fool the droid control ship Captain Mar Tuck, another Nemoidian, long enough to get the warship within range and smash the heck out of the droid control ship, and naturally the cowardly Nemoidian absconds an abandoned ship, and so the droids are left in charge. Anakin, before his warship smashes into the droid control ship, gets out with R2 on an escape pod. They're the only two on that ship. And them launching out in the escape pod, they do a great visual there. Cinematically, it looks tremendous. It is evoking the launch of C-3PO and R2-D2's escape pod over Tatooine. And I love little moments like that in The Clone Wars, where they pay homage to the films with stuff like that. It's very cool to spot those little moments. Meanwhile, Ahsoka has to figure out how to deal with five different Trade Federation frigates, and the idea she comes up with on her own is to turn the Jedi Star Cruiser on its side 
and put the hull side to the frigate. So that way the bridge and the hangar bays are well protected, and I guess it's less vulnerable if you're shooting at the bottom of it. And in the meantime, they launch all the Y-Wing bombers and have the Y-Wings attack the frigates and bomb the heck out of them. The idea is that they're supposed to make the Star Cruiser look vulnerable and draw the frigates in close so that way the bombers can get there in time without tempting the frigates to launch any fighters or anything like that. This is something that was taken from the Expanded Universe. And here's actually Dave Filoni, the chief creative mind behind the Clone Wars, talking about the genesis of that particular maneuver. There, there seemed to be something that wasn't adding up in the story. You weren't really getting that Ahsoka felt bad about losing these guys. You weren't really getting tension in the drama. So this was one of those cases where we did a really big overhaul in the editorial. And one of the things that when I was doing that, I added was the scenes where you see Ahsoka looking at the holographic table. The plan she uses where she rotates the Jedi cruiser on its side and the Y-Wings fly out from underneath is actually a strategy that I read about in Timothy Zahn's novel, Heir to the Empire. And Grand Admiral Thrawn uses a very similar technique of turning his Star Destroyer on its side to lure the enemy in, thinking that the Star Destroyer is vulnerable. Then he launches all his TIE fighters out from underneath it, around it. You, you basically, it's like a pincher's movement. You capture your enemy by drawing them in. We've been outflanked. Affirmative. So there you have it. A case of the expanded universe being mined for ideas long before it was removed from official canon and relabeled with that Legends moniker. And back in the day, it was officially referred to as a Marg Sable or Marge Sable. Hard to say for sure. I haven't heard it pronounced as M-A-R-G-S-A-B-L. Two words. What an interesting name for that military maneuver. And I did throw it into an anagram solver just to see what would happen online. No known anagrams for Marg Sable or Marge Sable. How fascinating. And that's going to do it for our look at Storm Over Ryloth. Next week, we're going to look at the next episode in this multi-story arc, Innocence of Ryloth, where presumably we'll see Anakin and Ahsoka join up with Obi-Wan and Mace Windu for the ground assault. Hey, Rebel Rouser. You're listening to this podcast, maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story too. Luckily, we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com SW7X7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles, anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com SW7X7. All right, let's do that trivia question now, shall we? Might need this. Last time we asked you to name at least three different ways Captain Phasma's appearance differs from that of a standard First Order Stormtrooper. Of course, her armor is chrome as opposed to the white. She wears a cape as opposed to the ones that don't. And she has a customized blaster as opposed to the regular First Order standard issue blasters. Today's question has an answer that differs between the novelization and the movie. In the novelization, when Kylo Ren and Finn are having their lightsaber battle, Kylo Ren strikes Finn in the chest, knocking him out of the battle. But he hits him somewhere else in the movie, and that's what I want to know. Where is it? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you ride your tauntaun past the first marker, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. 
And please support the podcast by joining us on Patreon at patreon.com slash SW7X7. It's not a forced ghost vision, it's destiny unleashed. Podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars. I'm we hope you love it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 